Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So we have another episode of Coach's Corner. We have the three amigos, as we're called, in our WhatsApp group. So we have <laughs> Jane and Dallas. And today's episode is going to be a Q&A that has come from Team SWF. And we a lot of the kind of comments that kind of come in on a general basis through DMs and through Q&As and all that kind of thing is kind of around guilt and the dissociation of food and mistraining workout guilt and the, the whole thing of having to hustle and kind of like if you miss a workout you're not going to get your goal all that kind of thing and it kind of comes up an awful lot so i think it's hugely important for us and there's so many questions this could be an 18-hour episode if i let dallas loose um so dallas and jane how are we good really good thank you how are you i'm good dallas how are we Right, I don't have as much study anymore. <laughs> you can see, you can see it in your eyes. They're like alive. Yeah, no, I don't feel like I'm being kicked down by a massive psychology book every single day. <laughs> but you just decided to new, do a new course instead. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, so the first question that I'm going to ask whoever wants to take it is: How to deal with guilt of changing your end goal, and how to tell if it's just impatience or not. Go. Jay. <laughs> Tag your it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So the guilt of changing your end goal and tell if it's impatience or not, it's like potentially it's the fact that you're setting one arbitrary end goal. Like pick are you picking a specific number? Are you picking some very specific point like I want to like I want to lose X amount of weight specifically? And then that changes it's like your end goal can be fluid and I think that's the way to kind of look at it it's like if you look at an end goal as fluid that it can change that it should change that it will change as you grow develop adapt things change within your life within your training within your nutrition your end goal will change you either move the benchmark further because you're achieving more or you have to rein back and reconsider your goals because of things that come along it's kind of like if you look at Instead of saying, I want to lose 10 kg, you could say, I want to lose weight. So maybe to make the process more enjoyable, you set smaller goals to lose weight. You change habits. You focus on changing habits and behaviors that will make you healthier, make you fitter, make you happier along the way. And focus on those process goals instead of that arbitrary end goal. And that way, if you focus on those behaviors and achievements along the way, it won't really matter so much if the end goal keeps changing because you're changing as you go along. Your priorities change. You're human. You change. You adapt. You grow. You can change your mind quite frequently throughout life. But if you're focusing more on the process and enjoying it and getting healthier and happier. So like say with the weight loss, we'll use that because it's an easy one to think of. You focus on I'm going to eat more protein. I'm going to eat it five times, five, three times a day. Like that's what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to hit, you know, eight to 10,000 steps a day. Mm. Achieving those things are little wins along the way and they are going to make you feel better. And you might be able to look at other things that you're, get, you're achieving along the way, like your energy levels are improved, your sleep improves, your libido is improving, like your digestion improves, all these things yeah, had to go there. All these things are getting better as you go along and you're make you're achieving these things. You're you're having all those little wins. And as you move forward, 
suddenly just simply weight loss of this arbitrary number you've set won't be the end goal because you suddenly realize the value of being healthier and fitter, stronger, better nourished in other parameters of your life. So suddenly changing the end goal becomes a positive thing because you're changing as you're focusing on the process as you go along, if that makes sense. And what about, say, there's a goal of an actual event. So say if it's like a half marathon or a marathon, how does that kind of come into it? Because I know when it's kind of like only a number on a scale, one, you can't control it anyway, but you can control your actions behind it. But say if it's an actual end goal of like, doing a say a photo shoot or doing like a half marathon or a marathon in two or three months from then how does that kind of come in then how does the the guilt or any of that kind of come into it then how can you change the the mindset around that if you don't achieve the marathon or Or else if you think that you're kind of like maybe two three four five six weeks into it and you're kind of like i only have say 10 12 weeks left and i don't think it's realistic do you see it how do you kind of reframe the mind of like is it an impatience thing or have I set myself up for a fall because the goal was too unrealistic and that is it it is managing expectations it's are you going straight into I'm going to do a marathon before you have done a 5k a 10k like is are your are your targets realistic that is that is a really valid point like what have you done in advance to prepare for it or is your goal simply going to be, I'm going to complete a half marathon or a full marathon? Or are you setting yourself an, like a time, a very specific time or pace? You have to look at the buildup to be more realistic and set yourself a goal that is achievable. And again, focus on the process that gets you to achieve that goal. So if you set, if you again focus on the process, it can be like, I'm going to train to do a 5K or I'm going to work with a coach to train me to get faster or build endurance or whatever you need to do to get a program that's going to get you to the marathon. Are you achieving the, the, like the road, the benchmarks at each point? Are you, are you hitting them? And then it makes it more realistic for you to look ahead and kind of go, is this marathon achievable for me in the time space I've set? Or am I just going to have to take the achievements of, I just nailed that 5k brilliant that's something i've never done before i've just nailed that 10k i'm a freaking legend like i've never done that before and suddenly again you're getting the wins along the way and it really depends on what the person's start point is if you're somebody who's already a marathon runner and your goal is to increase your time yeah it's like it's going to be slightly different way of approaching it based on someone who's just going to go i'm going to do a half marathon or marathon and has no idea of what that takes. I am someone who did that. I did a half marathon, having never ran before. You know, like, and it was tough. Like, and it was literally just to complete it. And I didn't have any comprehension of what it would take whatsoever. But in the end, just simply getting through it, walking or running, this is like 10 years ago, was, was enough for me. Because in the end, I realized how difficult it was going to be. And I didn't like it wasn't like beat myself up over. It was like, OK, if I can even just walk, run this, I changed from I'm running a marathon to I'm going to walk, run it because you have to manage your expectations. And I think that's the the huge part of it. Dallas, what about kind of the side of things in relation to to that goal? If it's someone else's goal being pushed on top of you or is it actually your goal? Because I think that does kind of come into it an awful lot. It's particularly if your partner or someone like that's going to be doing something, they're like, oh, let's be training buddies. Let's do this together because there's not a lot else to do. How do you, how do you kind of reframe that side of things? 
Tell them get lost. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Dallas, say how you really feel. <laughs> You're blank. Yeah. And that's Dallas done. There <laughs> we go. When it comes to guilt, like you have an aspect where you've got to realize that un- unhealthy guilt um, is not allowing for like the mistakes that you do in life. Like we're human, you know, and it, it is natural. We're going to make mistakes. It's part of learning. And there are some times where making mistakes can be costly. And we know that. But the difference is understanding that like we often get guilt when there's a clash between our values and our, how we see and perceive the world. So it's like, if your values don't align with your goal, you're always going to have guilt. So it's like, if your value is to just sit at home and enjoy life that way, and your partner, your training partner, or whatever it may be, has a value of running and completing doing something, you have a mismatch between it. So that means that when you don't do any of what you're meant to be doing with your partner, you're automatically going to feel guilt because you have a mismatch between the two. So it's like if you align your values to what the goal is, you'll start noting there's less guilt, in a sense, around the whole aspect. But then it's also, as like Jane was kind of touching on that, that excessive harshness or being a one in a sense like addicted to the abuse of discipline in that it's either one or the other. There is no one or the other when it comes to achieving things. There are going to be a certain set of environments that are going to allow you to get to the goal easier. And there are going to be some environments that are going to make it a little bit less easier to get to the goal. And you need to understand that and knowing that nothing is going to be perfect. You can't be perfect and it is never going to be perfect to get to that end goal. And most people take that idea of I'm perfect or I'm going to try to be perfect. So I set myself a goal and I'm going to do everything I can to achieve that, not taking into account that everything else that could come in the way of screwing it up. And that's where we see guilt coming in. It's like you need to align what you want as a person, your values, what you truly want, and not taking other people's goals on. Once you realize that, you have less guilt about it. But the also aspect is you've got to love yourself and have some self-compassion here because I'm like, come on now. I'm like, not everything is going to go to the way you want it to go. It's like, stop. stop. It's kind of asking yourself the question, do you want to be perfect or do you want to be healthy? Yeah. yeah. And I, I like the fact you said it about kind of like other people's goals, kind of like the, the hedonic treadmill. It's like, are you trying to prove yourself to others? Or are you trying to prove yourself to yourself? I mean, that's a huge aspect of it as well. And most of the stuff that are internal dialogue that's kind of going on in our heads anyway is kind of just the ego kind of playing, playing, playing at us completely. And I think one big thing that kind of comes into it, I know, I know Dallas is going to prick his ears up straight away as soon as I mentioned the T word, kind of if trauma has kind of come in, uh, it's kind of like it can kind of make that person try to control everything out of something coming, something going to going wrong or the potential of something going to go wrong. And then that kind of brings in that guilt loop and the perfection loop when we know that perfection is a lot like my hairline. It doesn't really exist. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like we do need to, you do need to understand it if it is your goal. And so it's OK not to have the same goal as your partner or your friends it has to be your goal because if you're trying to do something for someone else and the, the kind of the push comes to shove you're not really wanting to do it at the end of it oh, no. uh, um like, next go on but like what we like all three of us like when we're talking with our own clients we're 
how many times do we try to drill down on the whys, the values, the boundaries that people set and the innate aspects of what we do? Because these are the things that control what we do. So it's like if you can't understand the fundamental principle of why you do what you do, what are you expecting here? It's like if you're not happy to wake up in the morning and go for an early morning run, but you decide you want to do a marathon, it's like, right, you're either going to have to change your identity so that all the other behaviors will follow through, or you have to accept that this is not going to happen because it doesn't coincide with your identity. And it's like, I've had the same conversation with clients. It's like, oh, but I find like meal prepping hard or find some of these behaviors hard. And I was like, that's because you still have an identity of this is not something I like doing. And yeah. as soon as you wake up in the morning going, I am a person that wakes up early. I'm the person that gets up there and does this. I'm the person that's happy to do this. You start noticing so many changes in the behaviors you do, but also what you have at your disposal to achieve. Because now it co- coincides with what you see and perceive and value. And you've seen that. We've all seen that. Like when when you wanted to do training, when you want to do other aspects of like marathon and running, you know, you start off and you go like, yeah, this is not probably the nicest thing. But you start noticing going, actually, there's a benefit to this. And then you change your identity where cardio is part of your identity, keeping you healthy. You see these things where you go, protein is part of my identity. You start encompassing all of these things that build into who you are as a sense of self life gets easier but when there is a stark contrast between the two you're always battling yeah and that kind of cognitive dissonance about it's like i want to do this but you know stuck in that you know and getting caught in that like dichotomous thinking that loop of all or that all or nothing mentality will never serve you well in any walk of life you can be driven you can want to achieve you can want to get things right and do your absolute best but unless you can look with a more flexible approach to the process ahead because there is so many variables in life and in every process that you're not going to be able to control like control what you can you can work on like you say eating more protein or getting out for walks and getting out for runs but there's going to be variables throughout life with every goal everything that you're doing that are going to get in the way. You're going to have roadblocks. You're going to have speed bumps. You're going to have things happen that are just beyond you. And unless you have that more flexible mindset, it's going to be really incredibly difficult to navigate them. But if you have a more flexible mindset that's focusing on the smaller achievements along the way and those those habits, those behaviors, those things that you can align more with and become your identity, you're going to, you're going to have a much better process in the long run if you can be more open and flexible about it all. So I think that's, that will help alleviate some of the guilt and prevent guilt becoming more shame in the shame direction outside of guilt. And I think that's a, that's a really important kind of factor to consider. It's like when you're dealing with stuff like that, like guilt is kind of, you know, I've done something wrong. I yeah. can change it. And a certain amount of guilt in life is, you know, it's helpful. It's kind of like it filters us a little bit in certain things. It's like you do something wrong to someone you love, you say sorry. You can fix it. You can feel guilty. You don't rob, rob stuff because you will feel guilty. You don't like kick someone because you feel guilty. You know, sometimes you might anyway because it's worth it. But, you know, you don't guilt. Guilt means you can fix it. You've done something wrong. But when you get caught in your head in that cycle, sometimes of feeling guilty about so much that you cannot achieve and you don't, don't allow yourself the achievements, it can start tipping into shame. And shame is more, I am wrong. Yeah. I am fundamentally what is wrong with the situation, no matter what I do. 
And that's a darker place to go. You know, guilt is fixable. But if you are constantly getting into that guilt cycle of feeling guilty because you are misaligning your goals, you are focusing and setting yourself goals and outcomes that are just beyond you right now. But if you looked at the smaller goals along the way or you set goals that actually align with your values and you separate from comparison and setting goals based on other people's goals, you're going to protect yourself from that and prevent yourself from getting into that cycle of, I am what's wrong with this because I can't achieve anything and I keep doing things wrong, you know? And I think that's, that's a really important kind of consideration along the way of managing your expectations and being more flexibly minded. I think it's brilliant that you brought up the guilt-free shame thing because sometimes with shame, it's kind of like it can be in relation to what other people's opinions are um, and not necessarily about an actual behavior of ourselves or an event. It's some people, someone else's other opinion. But you have to ask yourself, do we actually value that other person's opinion realistically? And sometimes it's what the 7 billion people in the world, not everyone has to agree with what we do or what we want to do. And like, I know it's not diff- it's not easy when it's someone potentially very, very close to you, but you also don't have to have the same exact same interests because it like, as Dallas has spoken about on previous, and on, I think it was yesterday's episode, it was, he was kind of like, if we were all the same, uh, genetics would, would be, wouldn't be there and we would all, uh, we wouldn't exist as a race because we'd all be the, we'd all be the same and that does not how the body works it's it's a it's a it's about embracing kind of like the difference in what you want to do just because you're in a relationship with someone has a goal doesn't mean you have to do it as well but it also if you want to actually do something for yourself i think that's hugely important that has to be your why it relates back to that those five whys and a lot of people when they get to like the third why they start to get a little bit like awkward and kind of like go full turtle mode and kind of inward bound. They just don't really want to dig any deeper. But I think if you can get past that initial comfortableness, you'll actually probably get more comfortable in your own skin uh, because you've actually figured out what you want to do. It. And I think it's, it, it is really, really important to kind of dig into that. And like that kind of links in with kind of the next one, because I think in the, in the fitness industry as a whole, there's a lot of this like hustle, hustle, hustle. And then there's the other side of the thing, which is listen to your body. And there's two, there's two very, very different trains of thought. And then there's the whole thing of the only work you regret is the one you don't do. Burnout is a real thing. It's, it can be very confusing for someone who's looking at social media and kind of listening to different podcasts, the likes of say David Goggins, who will be like, go, 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 go. And then you've got the likes of say us promoting balance. I'm nowhere comparing us to David Goggins, uh, by the way, but it's a similar thing. <laughs> uh, but like it adds to the guilt, that whole side of things. So where do you where do you come in and like never miss a mo- never miss a workout? Or is it listen to actually listen to your body and feel your body? Or is it yeah, where is it on that? Just as a river ebbs and flows, so should the way you treat yourself and how you go through life. Pretty but, uh, it's <laughs> It's in a sense that there are going to be moments where getting up and going, that's it, I'm going to do something and I don't care. I'm going to hate this. I'm going to push for it. And there are going to be moments where there's balance or you're going to have to intuitively listen to yourself. The difference is as time goes on, experience teaches you the cues to know where this occurs. And so does a coach give you like probably time to push or probably time to pull back? It's the same way when you're in any form of doing higher education to tell you like, you've got probably 12 weeks. If you haven't started, it's probably time to knuckle down. It's like, 
knowing it because you're further along allows you to understand that. When people start their journey, they want to go full frontal tilt into it, and that can be something good. But for most people, you need to come at it with a kind of ebb and flow. You need to see how it feels to be pushing hard and how does it feel to listen. But until you've done both sides of the spectrum, until you've gone through it, you don't know anything. You're now trying to do one thing, other thing, and you're just getting confused. So take one aspect and go, right, I'm going to go David Goggins style. I'm going to go and do freaking ultra marathon and then do good weights and then tell people that they're not training hard enough. Or you can go to the complete other side and be like, all I'm going to do today is walk. That's it. Nothing else. That, that. And then each day I add one extra thing or each week I add one thing. Once you've tasted both sides, you can now see which one is going to give you a better. And I went, that's an easy way of doing it. But it also depends on the person and your context and life and genetics and everything else. <laughs> It is true. It's like, and it's like that figuring out for yourself if it's physical or psychological, if it is, you know, caught up on the idea of motivation, considering that motivation should just be there automatically and feeling guilty if it's not and feeling like you're doing something wrong. Well, for none of us, motivation is there all the time. Sometimes you have to call on discipline. Sometimes you have to really align and remind yourself of the outcome that you enjoy. You know, I love in the subtle art of not giving a fuck the whole, just do something and the rest will follow. It's like sometimes if you're questioning, if you are just psychologically feeling like could be arsed or if you are physically tired or if it is sometime you need a rest, that idea of just do something, like Stephen said, it's like get up and go for a walk. That might freshen you up and you might be like, actually, you know what, I could do something a little bit more or say with your workout, I'm just going to commit to doing 10 minutes and see how I feel. I'll come at it with lighter weights. You know, manage your expectations of yourself and see how you feel. And sometimes just doing something, initiating that action, that positive action that's toward what you want to do, then that kind of inspires motivation to finish or inspires. Or you might go, no, I'm actually exhausted and I'm going to show myself some self-care and kindness because I deserve that too. And you might rest, but you know, it is exactly what you said. It's experience. You learn those things. But sometimes it's just challenge yourself that little bit to just do something and see what transpires. And if you genuinely feel the need to rest, then if that little walk, you did one loop, that's enough. Come home, rest. You know, I think that that's a good way to look at it a little bit to kind of test yourself out on it and see, see how it goes. You can come from a very devil's advocate or a very... I was waiting for you to do this aspect I'm going right if you've got goals and deadlines you don't have a choice that means like you adhere to the principles that are there to succeed or to see succession and we see this in everyday work life you know you have a deadline period like you know if you've got the stock market open at a certain time and you need to put those things in you don't have a choice so it's like you have to adhere to the rules of the system or environment you're in so it's like yes putting yourself in that situation is fine and that's when you have to say just suck up and do it i'm like if you're prepping for say the olympics like you don't have a choice i'm like whether you show up or don't show up means whether you get to that point or not. And it's like, yes, taking that style of approach is a wonderful thing and can drive a lot of achievement. However, you've got to understand the environment you're in. And that's the biggest thing. It's if you know the environment you're in and you know how that is going to work and you can work in that environment, go for it. But I think a lot of people just don't know that they can work in that type. So they, they want to try it and then they get scared. Or it's, this is too much. 
Yeah. And then that uncomfortable feeling comes in and it's just like, yeah, now you've created a situation that is going to turn you off from doing anything. Yeah. So it's like, you've got to know your environment. You've got to know your situation. And once you know that you can do many things, it's just when people start out in the beginning, we don't know anything. So now you have to try to figure it out, which is if you're going to do it, try soft and easy it's easier to overcome and create a new step and you can create that winning for some people diving in head first. You will notice that there's a small subset of people who have grittier personalities, which is basically the ability to take that challenge and keep pushing. Well then go for a hard thing, but you need to know this and it's like situation dependent. Yeah. Some things are going to be hard. Sometimes we all like you have to get uncomfortable. Like, little discomfort physically and emotionally sometimes is very very beneficial yeah. training you got to get uncomfortable sometimes you know to see results you got to push through to get results sometimes emotionally you know that you got to get uncomfortable to fix oh, them yeah. like, you got to go to those places you don't always want to go to figure things out and to figure out how to fix them but it's knowing when it's pushed to the point of actual pain and injury when you're doing more damage that's it's learning that point and that's a lot of experience oh yeah do you think some people struggle more in order to kind of trust what their body's capable of because i think or do you think yeah and others know when to push a little bit more and others know when not to push it more because that was one of the things that came kind of came in as well that some people don't actually trust themselves in order to be able to actually properly properly get to what they want to do to give themselves the permission to go for their goal (laughs) if you've spent your life neglecting anything that you've thought about anything that you've done or had someone tell you that all that you've done is worthless useless and not up to scratch then you're not going to be in a position to push because any single time you make one step outside of your box you're going to have a point that's going to come fleeting back and all those memories all those struggles are going to come back together that means that you first need to deal with the uncomfortable feeling within your box before you can do for a push and it's that's how you're going to learn how to know about yourself it's scary yes it's uncomfortable yes but i went it's getting to the position and realizing that not everyone can push and yes not everyone can understand how their body feels because of certain aspects they've gone through neglect for one of the points like if you recognize that majority of kids can eat pretty well without you actually having to intervene you can just go there's the fridge you know eat whatever you want in the fridge if it was pre-made and the kid would regulate their you know energy intake pretty freaking well as time goes on, we as adults don't really have that regulation anymore. We, we neglect to think about it. We bring a lot of emotion into it. We bring stress into it. We allow people to talk to us in a certain way. And this erodes certain aspects. But just because it's been eroded doesn't mean it can be worked on to be brought back. That means accepting that, yeah, it's going to be a little bit tougher or having someone mentor you or coach you allows you to get to that position now. Because now you have someone going like, right, cool, let's take one smaller step. And that smaller step could be, you know, you feel you usually have, say, food at 12 o'clock. Okay, I want you waiting one minute before you eat food, but always eat at 12. Cool, it's one minute. You've made it one step. You're now getting the person used to a little bit more hunger. And as time goes on, you can push that time further and further. So they get used to this hunger feeling that they've never experienced. It's an adaptive aspect. It's like a stress response. 
you know, so you, you want to slowly bring them to their adaptive nature so they can learn this position about what is happening about their body and how to be intuitive to it. But you can't look at it and go, it's a quick fix. I'm going to do this in a week. That's a big problem. It's not going to happen. Do you struggle to listen? To, did you ever struggle to listen to your body, both of you guys? Like, did you have to do the extreme of go, 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 hustle, 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 hustle in order to find that out for yourselves? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All three can tick the box. <laughs> Check. Completed it. Complete perfect. <laughs> but i think yeah go yeah. on now you go on it's a natural part of it it's you don't know how far you can push you also don't know what you're capable of and you're willing to put all the signs um away you're literally about to you you will rationalize every single point um to the point that it won't be any issues and it's a beautiful thing because when you see the breaking point you have a moment of reflection and that moment just gives you all the clarity and insight and wisdom that you wish you had from the beginning. Now, as coaches, as teachers, as any person in a higher position often gives this wisdom to tell you that here are the signs so that people don't have to go through that. So you don't have to be the person you have to go through the burnout. You don't have to push to the ends of, you know, the capabilities you have to see change. You can just do what's that small little bit that you need to see that change. Breaking yourself is not a badge of honor. It's not necessary. Oh. But it's also not something to be ashamed of if it happens, you know, and if you do push because you're driven. I think that's the two, the two sides of it, like that, you know, neither are anything to be embarrassed or ashamed about. It's like, but you don't need to push yourself to burn out, you know. You absolutely do not. If you're, so say for you guys, right, at the minute, if your body wasn't really able for a workout, would you feel guilty or have you ever felt, felt guilty about not doing it? And if the if there was guilt there, would it be, does the guilt come from the fact that you're, in, you're able to do the workout, but you still want to do it for whatever reason, or is, an actual proper, is there another reason behind it? Does that make sense? Yeah, I've definitely felt guilt for not completing a workout or like, yeah, not being able to do something within a workout. And both are different feelings for different reasons. It's like, sometimes it would be not pushing through in a workout and it would be more of a psychological barrier than physical. And that would give me, I would get like frustrated with myself around that a lot. Um, and when I really, really reflected a lot, like, and this would have been probably like in my earlier days of doing CrossFit and stuff like that, when I was more competitive, when I was more push, I had like really was focused on it and wanted to get faster and stronger I started being able to do all these things I could never do and I got really enthusiastic and excited and wanted to do competitions and everything and if I wasn't if I didn't push through something or I wasn't able to do something there was a lot of comparison it was that was definitely something that was fueling it for me and I had to really reflect on that it's like when I couldn't do something, what was the thing that I was feeling bad about? Why was I feeling so bad? Why wasn't I feeling guilty? Why was I feeling guilty? And it was a strange feeling of guilt, but it was built off comparison of like, I should be able to do this. Why can't I do this? I have been doing this for this long and they can do it. And it was a lot of inexperience, not understanding other people's backgrounds and stuff like that, but just putting an unhealthy amount of pressure on myself to be able to do things that there's absolutely no reason why I should, you know, 
it was something that like I was working towards but I did feel guilty if I didn't finish something achieve something specifically particularly if like a coach or if I was on a team or something like that it was very much wrapped up in what other people thought and my being able to achieve and do things that I was setting my mind to or like not not let people down not let myself down there was a lot of like you know just not letting down all across the board and just I was caught up too much in it and I think that was that definitely was something that was rife for like a few years of my training and stuff I had to kind of separate myself out of it and really look at why I was doing it and just various things in life come came along that really made me reflect on priorities around it and like oh yeah if I want to scale that's okay I don't, nobody else expects me to be able to do this. This is all within myself and me putting this pressure on myself. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of the time that's what it is with people. It's, you know, inexperience, lack of awareness or understanding sometimes about training and about what your body's capable of or being able to look at other people and not just judge yourself against them. And this happens in so many walks of life. It's like you look at someone, you compare, it's like, how can they do that? And eat that burger and how do they look like that and you whatever they want and all this stuff this comparison that comes along or how can they do that training for three years i've been training for three years but you're not taking into account jack shit of what they've done before that you don't know their lifestyle you don't know their choices you don't know their training history i found out that people i was comparing with the more people i spoke to like who are progressing faster had competed in sport from a young age in school even to like a lesser degree i hadn't done that you know it's like why are they getting that before me? And it's like, it's when you actually communicate with people and listen and learn and are open to listening, learning and understanding instead of just getting caught in your own head and ego of beating yourself up and you actually consider the rest of it, you learn an awful lot and you can treat yourself with a bit more empathy and kindness. It doesn't stop you being driven and wanting to achieve those things, but you start looking more at the process to achieve those things instead of just like say, you want to get you want to get something you're not going to keep walking up to 130 kg on a bar if your deadlift is 60 kg and just keep walking up and lifting it because you should be able to lift 130 kg because that girl can or that guy can you're not just going to every day walk up there and try to pick it up you're going to go and progress and focus on all those little lifts and the, the what's in between it to get there and that's a comparison it's like you look at someone who's doing something and all that guilt of not being able to do what they can do and that guilt that you can't get there. And it's fruitless. It's like banging your head against a brick wall or standing there trying to pick up a 130 kg bar without doing any of the interim, you know? I think it comes to like, if we if we see ourselves as inferior, we see others as people as superior. Yeah, so we end up, yeah, exactly. Like It's like when you go into a job and you're kind of like go in as the intern or whatever, admin or whatever, and you're comparing your paycheck to the, the head person, it's not a fair comparison. You don't know where they've been at. Do you think I'm going to play a dangerous game here and mm-hmm. I'm going to try it? Uh, do you think that women are tougher on themselves than men in relation to that? Um, Context dependent. Yeah. But I would think, yes, that we women would be a little bit. But context dependent is really good. Cause like, yeah, I'm kind of like, Lifting big heavy weights and stuff. And I just mean in general. Beside you or in general. General comparing themselves. Um, context dependent, but yes, in general, I think women would be a little bit worse about it overall in how it would impact their confidence and how it would impact them 
doing more things. Like I think with women um, have a lot more emotion within it and that might prevent them from doing things a lot more. Um, I think men would get the get the feelings, and this is generalizing, absolutely generalizing, which shouldn't really do. But but men will be less inclined potentially to um, let it limit them from it, trying to do something, from going for it, from moving forward. While a woman might be more inclined to allow those feelings to limit her and to prevent her from doing things potentially. That's like very much an off-the-cuff opinion. I would say it also like um, as um, the whole male ideals are being questioned each and each year as time goes on, um, how having a buff, broad shoulder, well-shaped, muscular man that can fend off any wolf is being questioned each year. We start to see a trend towards similarity between women and men in terms of that emotional aspect coming in because now we now we realize that you know keeping your emotions in is really not a good idea you know and men's suicide rates are going through the roof you know so it's like realizing that now men are having to open up and do these things comes to the point where it's like we are now susceptible not saying we weren't susceptible more susceptible to things that are more prevalent with women. So it's like we know binge eating disorders start occurring with men now as well, and body dysmorphia is at an all-time high for men. Highest demographic, highest rising yeah. in men. Which is like, sorry, wait, well, hold on a second. If you go back 100 years, like, can you tell, ask the guy, like, you know, how do you feel about yourself? Yeah, fine. What do you think other people think about you? Yeah, don't care. Move on. Yeah, like, let, let's rip, lift weights, let's fight with each other, you know become good friends after that and carry on with life now it's like okay how do you feel about yourself and it's like yeah great and you're like okay there's a little bit of doubt there and you're like how do you feel about other people um, looking at you oh like that's a big big problem you know like i've got to look jacked i've got to look lean you know i've got to look a certain way my hair's got to be a certain way all, all these things are coming in now <laughs> unless you're shane um <laughs> And this is a crazy thing. So it's like, yes, it's context dependent, but we're also seeing like a move towards a kind of a generalized aspect where both sides of society now are having similar aspects because of the continuous changes we are perpetrating through social media. It's so do you, layered. Do you feel under pressure as someone, in the, both of you guys, do you feel under pressure in, because you're in the kind of nutrition and fitness realm to look a certain way? In the um, beginning, yes. Yeah, there is pressure there. I think you'd be lying to say that it wouldn't have crossed, it wouldn't cross your mind. I think for any of us in the industry, that it, is, it, that it w wouldn't cross your mind or become something that you think about at varying stages in it. I think it's, again, managing expectations within yourself. And I believe we all have, we have to do the same self work that we advise other people to do as on an ongoing basis. <laughs> critical like no like coaches need coaches <laughs> like in recent years i've gone like back to counseling and stuff to work on things it's like your mind as much as your body is a muscle that needs continuous work and to be defined developed taken care of you know and so comparison imposter syndrome how you present yourself how you're perceived it will always cross your mind sometimes you're always going to worry about those things here and there it's how you deal with them and move through them and i think over the years um, like for myself, speak, 
speaking for myself, I w- I've learned how to not let that stuff stick with me or stay with me. It will be much more fleeting these days because I'm kind of down cool with who I am and how I am and how I present myself and my lifestyle is aligned with how I want to live. And, and like, I, it's very aligned. I enjoy my lifestyle. I enjoy training. I enjoy pizza and wine, you know, so I am what I, I profess to be. I do what I say, you know, so it's like I'm more aligned and confident in that way about it. But when you first start out, I think in the early days, you have a perception of what a nutritionist or fitness professional should look like from what you see online. And it's just not the case. Like, you know, there's such a variety. Like, I remember, like, thinking, I was talking to, talking to my coach, actually, at one stage, years ago, and talking about kind of like, see, in gymnastics or something, when you watch the Olympics, do you ever see, like, the little gymnastic coaches around with the gymnasts and they can be these like little overweight guys or girls or whatever who are the best coaches in the world but they don't look like the gymnasts so why the hell do we as coaches in general in the fitness industry or in nutrition think that we have to look like you know the fitspo image the like you know ripped and all of this stuff because at the end of the day especially if we're what we're trying to do is help people be healthier. That's not necessarily healthy. And what we do to get there isn't necessarily healthy. And the smarter we are and the the more people we work with and the more we understand physiology and psychology, you realize that. So the longer you're in the industry, I think, and the more people you work with, you align a lot more to understand that, yeah, you don't have to look a very specific way. And if people expect you to, maybe they're not necessarily, if people aren't working with you because you don't have a six pack, then maybe they're not necessarily the best people to come work with you because they're probably not going to be ready for your approach. You know, it's trying to just realign how you feel about it. But I've, yeah, definitely felt critical, felt self-critical over time that you have to look a certain way or present yourself a certain way or like change things about yourself to fit in. Well, I think, yeah, it mellows over time. Provided you put the work into it. Yeah, I think exactly. that's, that's going to be the biggest thing. Because like, even myself starting out, it was just like, oh, right, you know, I'm a trainer. I'm like, you know, I've got to be in decent shape. You know, I've got to look like I can run at least and I can bench and all these things. You know, I'm like, oh, look at me. And you're like, you just realize, like, oh, right, you, you, you don't start, like, say, going into university and go like okay you know for them to teach me they've had to have done everything i've done so no like most of your professors and lecturers have gone through an array of different backgrounds and taught on many different aspects mm-hmm. and come to settle on this one thing because they particularly enjoy it you know you don't look and go like our professor has to look a certain way they have to wear certain things i'm like if you look at now this day i'm the professor it's like in crazy they have different body shapes and hair shapes have tattoos different ways of talking it's like but when you start generalizing to that aspect that like this is the way to be, you kind of lose out a lot when you have not only the belief for the person to help you, but also what you can get from it. Because now you're categorizing yourself to a certain aspect and a certain way of looking at the things. That means that for every bit of information you need to get from somebody, they have to fit into a category. And that's dangerous in of itself. It's like now you're opening yourself up to biases and that's never a good idea. But I do think it's you gotta you gotta re- recognize that in the beginning that your self image is gonna come under question no matter what. 
doesn't matter what industry you're in. And it's not just fitness related. So it's like you can be a part of accountants. And if you used to say accountants, most people are like, oh, yeah, they sit all day and they're overweight. You can be like, oh, look, you know, your person who sits there, security guard. Oh, yeah, he's overweight. It's like, no, no, no. We're creating generalizations and categories which are not right. But anyone stepping into that role is going to have that. So we see it with like in terms of trauma, trauma, but also kind of bullying and all those things. Like when we see security guards in America in prisons, they're often slightly beefier and heftier than previous years. And the reason for that is they feel safer because they're slightly bigger from the inmates. So we're creating this thing. It's like that. So that means everybody coming in realizes this is the new norm. This is how I have to look. I don't feel great about this. I need to do this as well. We're still going like, I want to be who I want to be, move on. But it takes time for you to get to that position. You have to go through a little bit of questioning of your own self-image and then reflect on the reason why is this occurring? Why do I feel this way? I think it's important to, if you're like recognizing your triggers, like if you're looking at social media all the time and you're looking at social media first thing in the morning, the first person you see is someone with your so-called body goals. And then you're on your phone all day, Dallas. Uh, and then, then the last thing you look at your phone in the evening and the last person you see is that same person with like, I don't know, the big quads or the big glutes or whatever it may be. So the first thing you see in the morning, the first last thing you see in the evening is the person that you're striving for and you may not be in that position or not be nowhere near it. But you also may not have done the reps that that person's done. You may not have had the extremes that that person's done. You don't know the person's full story. So it's important to say like, if you're looking at, so, <coughs> at social media, get the rid of those accounts or mute the accounts if it's your friends. If you're getting triggered by other people, identify why the trigger is. Is it something that's happened back in the day? Is it something that's kind of like, are you actually comparing yourself to others? And I think from my own perspective, it's generally when, say, if I say I'm a PT, people are like, really? I'm like, yep. <laughs> so <laughs> cool story, bro. But it is, it's that, it's that stigma. It's like, oh, you're, you're, cause you're like a lad, you're meant to be like the Jack's PT. I'm like, yeah you meant it and it's like i don't value it so i'm kind of like no i'm happy being kind of like footballer lean that's but my that's my prerogative that's not that's uh that's what i want to do doesn't mean you have to push your insecurities into me you're entitled to your opinion but it's it's actually if i actually want to pay any detail to that opinion and that took a lot of soul searching to do and uh, i think you have to do the soul searching which is the uncomfortable part that a lot of people want to don't want to do because the negative thoughts that kind of come in are kind of like kind of like velcro we stick to them yeah. But the positive thoughts are like Teflon. They kind of slide off and we don't pay any attention to them. And we'd have to use so much more brain power to, to kind of to kind of actually challenge the negative thoughts. Uh, or act, Because the, the, our brain defaults to the negative straight away. It's what it does. It's like a computer. It protects us. But if we're kind of challenging it over time, like, like one of you guys said about kind of retraining the muscle over time, it becomes a little bit easier. It kind of like... It just, especially when you're tired and you get a little bit stressed, that's generally where things kind of go out the window. And if you're tired and stressed and then you're looking at social media or you're looking at TV and you're like, so like the prime example is what, I think one of my clients sent me like Love Island's coming back in the next kind of couple of weeks. Dallas is delighted. Dallas failed audition. <laughs> I wasn't pretty enough. <laughs> next year. But, but that, but. I never watched it, ever. I've watched it, I'm, I'm afraid to say. Um, but it <laughs> but it triggers so many people on it, and like the people that are on it, um, 
the, the abuse they get for looking a certain way is quite scary. Like Sinead Hegarty's been on and she spoke about it. Chris Williamson said he had to act a certain way. Like he's a super, super like book smart person. And he, he's a very, very handsome man. Um, but he had to act a certain way to come across that way to society. He had to, he had to second guess himself when he was talking to the girls on the island so that he couldn't be perceived as being like a Star Wars person or whatever he's into. And I think we need to start kind of something needs to change in relation to the signals that's pushed to it. Um, I went on a complete tangent. I went, <laughs> I went Dallas there. Um, it's so true, though. It is. It's mental. It's 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 bananas. Um, I think the end of it is you really do have to. It is about doing a ton of the self work and filtering a lot of stuff out, and what it really kind of means to you. Why it why it impacts you that much. It's like. You know, as a nutritionist, you get someone goes to you, oh, you eat that? Or, oh, you drink? Like, that would be something that I know. Or don't drink. Yeah, or don't drink. But I know that would have been something that would have triggered me in the past. Like, would people be, and I'd be like, moments of, are you eating that? Is it wrong that I'm letting people see that I eat this? And, like, I know for me that stems from having the history I have with more disordered behaviors around food and self-esteem and stuff like that and like being judged and being criticized and hey like those behaviors and it's like so for me someone going like should you be eating that would bring me back there a little bit and kind of like should I be maybe I shouldn't be is this wrong you know and that but that was something that I had to work on within myself to be able to accept from other people because I can't change them you know I can't change what they're going to say we're all going to be criticized we're all going to be judged as like Stephen said earlier, like no matter what, like whatever walk of life you're in, whatever work you have, whatever place you are, we're going to be judged in some way. People won't like you. You won't like everyone. And it's working on the ability to, you know, you can feel it, you can take it in, but try to deflect it that little bit and become stronger within yourself and do that work within yourself to be able to let that stuff go and work on not allowing your identity be constantly defined by other people's opinion of you you know if you really 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 love yourself and you've worked on that doesn't mean you're like infallible doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt you're not going to be burnt you're not going to feel shit you're not going to question yourself you're not going to go back to those old thoughts sometimes but you can get out of it a lot quicker and you can move forward and move on a lot easier i think a lot of people think that like self-love is like hippie-ish or self-love is being selfish that if they if they kind of say that they love themselves it's kind of like well I, i'm like chocolate i'll eat myself all day it's kind of one of those things it's kind of i really like chocolate um there's an ice cream i'd eat myself that I, I, like. I but i'd melt <laughs> but it, exactly uh thanks Dallas. i met it in that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, I think with the coaches thing and like the identity behind coaches and identity behind like the, the whole side of things is it comes like we got asked the question like what is a, a, like the diet of a coaches look like what is a typical day and, and like i i remember getting this question and i had to think about it an awful lot and i was like i don't think people realize a lot of people in the nutrition and fitness industry are very very have had very very um there's a lot of past trauma and past behaviors and like they can be um quite insecure a lot a lot of people i think a lot of people in general 
I do think that there's a lot of insecure people in the fitness industry and they push their ideologies onto others because they know that's what's worked for them and they're afraid to go outside. They want to be right all the time and they they look a certain way. So they, that's how they can be accepted um, by whoever their clique is. But I think once they identify what they actually want to do with themselves, I think it's a lot bigger. But with the daily eating of a coach... And then it kind of comes to the question is, do they ever suffer from guilt? And what do you do to overcome the guilt or prevent the guilt from happening? So I'm going to let one of you guys talk about it. I would like want to highlight like initially with that point of like someone else's daily diet. You could eat exactly the same as someone and train in exactly the same way. And you're going to have a completely different body composition going to impact your your health status will be completely different and it'll impact you psychologically completely different when it comes to eating what someone else eats yeah the basics of like nutrition yeah eat protein eat mindfully you know get lots of plants those things are like yeah they're going to help keep you nourished and well fed but when it comes to eating what someone else eats like there's such a broad spectrum of factors like that are going to influence it genetics age gender like activity goals psychology preference finances like i could go on and on and on like start point appetite like there's so many factors that influence what you eat day to day and the results you'll get from it and achieve like so many physically psychologically environmentally all of these things come into account when it comes to how much you should eat the food you should eat the choices you should make your like your preferences of food so me telling you, like, or anyone, this is what I eat in a day. Are you following that? It's not going to be right for you. You know, doing my training isn't going to be right for someone else. And people need to break away from that idea, regardless if it's a coach, regardless if it's Mary in the office, regardless if it's anyone else, eating exactly what they eat and doing what they do isn't going to get the same results for you. So step away from that first and foremost and focus on doing you throughout it. And I think that's, it's not a one size fits all approach. It really isn't like, yeah, the foundations of nourishment we, we can promote and talk about. We can talk about areas that people should look into and where they should go when they're trying to like balance their nutrition and stuff. But when it comes to meal plans as much as what your Fitzbo eats in a day, your favorite, air away from them you know it's not you might achieve short-term results if they're telling you to eat chicken and broccoli for every meal and stuff like that you know it may achieve fat loss initially and seem like it works for you but you're not going to stick with it and it may not be healthy for you physically or psychologically so don't do it that there that was my my rant about that first i think it's interesting that you said about what, how other people deal with food or like even if you had twins they both have different reactions to the same food absolutely i think a lot of people realize don't realize that and i think i for myself i don't i see i can't talk about the like food guilt and so i haven't i haven't struggled with it i haven't struggled with kind of eating patterns and stuff i've had body dysmorphia concerns but i haven't had the food stuff side of things so i can't really speak from it from my point of view um i've yeah, the body dysmorphia thing I've struggled with, but I haven't really struggled with the food sick, so I'm going to have to sit this question out, but I don't know. Also, like, um, in terms of myself, so, like, I usually play a lot of sport. Like, I I would rather play sports. Teddy Winks isn't a sport, Alice. Ah, oh, fuck. 
what was the champion? I swear. Um, so it's like, I love playing sport, you know, like I grew up in, uh, um, in South Africa where sport is, you know, everything for a lot of people, you know, it's your way out, it's your tickets, your golden ticket, you know, it, it could set your life up. So it's like, I grew up with that. And like my eating habits were based on the fact that I could run around, play two to three sports in a night and I could eat whatever I want, you know? I'm like, and then when I get sick as well, and all the amount of steroids I was on, you would see me at that that Christmas when I was badly sick. Like, I put away freaking. We had a we had a ham for which should feed about eight people. I finished that. Had all the spuds. I had all the mashed potatoes and started eating. And I just couldn't stop, you know, eating. So it's like those habits have carried on into you know adulthood. That means it had to be worked on. Well, wait, I still get to the point where sometimes where I'm like. Oh, geez, I did. You just ate a whole loaf of bread. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And then after like five minutes later, I'm like, crap, like, why did I do that? You know, and then you get a bit of guilt. And then it's like, everyone's like, oh, yeah. So like, this is what you kind of sit with. It's like, it's not what you sit with. It's like, I've taken the aspect where it's like, you address the problem or you let it go. I'm like, you've got two options here. I went thinking about it as the third option is not going to solve anything. So it's like you either address it or just go, it happened, moved on and carry on with life. I went, you've got to set your goals in life in terms of, do I want to address every issue in my life? For some people, that might be an option. For myself, it's, I know where it came from. I know why it's there. Is it causing me harm? No. Do I have a problem with it? No. Cool. But if, it, if you notice that it is causing you problems, it is having harm, it is doing these things, well, addressing the problem is a good thing. But it's also being able to just let go that you are naturally going to have guilt for some things. Like as Jane pointed out, you are naturally going to get it. It's going to come back every so often. These thoughts and feelings will occur. It happens. It's only new, human trying to bring a black and white thinking to it, like this is good, this is bad. I went, oh, the only species that does it, that we know of currently, um, that bring such a black and white thinking. And because we have such a black and white thinking to how food is, that is why we get so much of the guilt aspects as well to it, which, you know, if you step away from it and just go, right, well, it happened, move on, let it go, and accept that you are going to make mistakes, you are going to have these problems, but over the span of your life, you're going to notice that it doesn't play that much of a role if you start looking at these things and fixing them bit by bit by bit. And then you can get to the point where I am and go like, cool, I had a bit of extra bread to eat and I'm fine with it. I'm happy with how I am, happy with my identity. I'm happy where everything fits in and you're fine. But it does take practice. It does take time. It's like with anything, you can't just solve these things. It takes time, which is annoying. But in terms of food, what you eat for a day, it's whatever the hell you want. I'm like, pick anything i'm like i'm regimented with my breakfast i eat the same thing for my breakfast every single day the only thing i change is the protein powder so i was like it's adding control in one sense and then giving myself the ability to do what i want for dinner so that's how i enjoyed my life of eating that won't work for other people as jane was pointing out so it's like recognizing that your coach giving you like regiment behavior is not teaching you anything it's the most stupidest thing ever because after all, what, what are they going to be teaching you? What are you learning from a meal plan? What are you learning from eating chicken, broccoli, rice and fish cakes, fish cakes and rice cake? Like you're not learning anything from that. And that's what you've got to understand that it's, you've got to create the lifestyle that works for you. You've got to create the thing that fits into how you see and perceive the world. 
and then understand that, yeah, there are better ways of doing it. But if the current behaviors you um, express and uh, match with the food you eat, then they give you a sense of comfort and they help you and they're guiding you to the aspect or goal you're looking for. Well, cool. That's good. Move on. There's nothing else you need to do. I'm like, if there comes a point where something does need to be tweaked, so say you're looking to improve certain cardiovascular health, well, cool, there's some certain tweaks we need to put into place, but that doesn't mean it's a steady rule that you have to do that. I would say I'd like to tap into a few things you said there. It's like around the, the idea of like the meal plan, like rice and broccoli, all this stuff. If you have issues with your behaviors around food and your food relationship with food, Sticking to a set meal plan isn't going to repair that, isn't going to help jack shit when it comes to improving your relationship. And a lot of the time when there is guilt around food, it stems from, as as Stephen was saying, that dichotomous thinking, that black and white thinking, that all or nothing is a huge, huge indicator of like, and stuff, something to be highlighted when you have issues with your relationship with food. It's that black and white thinking. And if you're sticking to a very regimented meal plan, it's allowing for no flexibility. It is just re like re ingraining that black and white thinking, and like like with guilt and like we've come like come to a very similar place in how you feel about food and nutrition and relationship with it, but with different backgrounds and experiences that led us there. Like I'm someone that really struggled with that black and white thinking. I've had issues with binging, binging, purging throughout my life, and binging and exercising my way out of it like and these kind of behaviors which for me was that was dealing with it it was like I did this I am taking an action and I am dealing with it I am going to do this but nothing I was doing was ever about food but that was when guilt was tipping into shame there was a lot of shame in what I was doing and it got darker and darker and it was very much that black and white thinking idea of all or nothing perfectionistic tendencies around myself that I would never put on to anyone else and when you get that kind of guilt and cycle with food, dealing with something like you going and going, I'm going to get a meal plan. I'm going to get this regimented thing. I'm going to eat what that person is going to eat is the last thing you should be doing. Like if you're feeling guilty, if you can't let go of eating a bar of chocolate or even overeating, even overeating, binging, the best thing you can possibly do after that is moving forward normally not doing what I did back in the day and compensatory behaviors of purging or over-exercising or doing whatever like that. It is moving forward and just getting back to normal, actually eating three square meals the next day, you know, bringing back that structure because that structure is beneficial. It's like, it's helpful to know you're going to eat regular meals again. You're not going to deprive and put yourself in a situation where you're restricting and depriving and leaving yourself with another issue of hunger. You know, it's like that constant cycle of just making things worse and that black and white thinking around everything isn't going to be fixed by going on a meal plan or having a coach that's going to put you in a more regimented, strict program that leaves you open to making mistakes or deviating off because you're freaking human and that's going to happen. And then you have yourself in that cycle of guilt again. So it is all about... I think one, looking at the reason you're feeling guilty, trying to figure out what it represents to you if you go off 
plan, so to speak. I do quotation marks for anyone listening. <laughs> we go off plan or off program. You know, what that represents to you, like why is it so tied up in your identity? Like what does it mean to you to do that? And like if you are in that black and white zone, like if you overeat in the here and now, why does that lead you to want to press the feca button? Like what is what is going on there and like that that is really underlying there. And you have to really get uncomfortable and think about those things and what it represents to you. It's like, why Like, why are you overeating regularly? Why are you binging, be it in a lesser degree or disordered? Um, why is that happening? What's the emotions behind it? What's the reason? It's very rarely to do a food, very rarely. It's like a lot of it's going to be emotion, stress, all these things. And it really is about looking at it with like curiosity. And like learning from it and like taking that time to really look at what you're doing and go, why am I doing this? Is there a reason? Um, is it an emotion? Is it stress? Is it lack of sleep? Are there things that are impacting this? And can I take a lesson from it to be able to move forward and let it go? And I think that's that's really impactful when you have a lot of guilt around food, because while guilt can be beneficial in other areas of life to kind of highlight when we do something wrong so that we say sorry, like food is essential to survival. We need it. Like we have to eat, so bringing around guilt around food, it's not it's not a good thing to be tying it up into because you should never feel guilty about eating, ever. It's not something that should warrant guilt. If you didn't steal the food, you shouldn't be feeling guilty for eating it. And that's not to say you can't have gold around food, you can't want to repair it, rebuild it, eat more nourishing food, improve your health, improve your fitness, lose weight, change your body in certain ways. It doesn't mean you can't do that, but doing it from a healthy place where there is no guilt around food is really valuable and really worth working towards because they they shouldn't really go together. Food, essential to survival, guilt, you know, that they, they don't tie in well together. I think, well, thank you both for kind of giving your stories and your backstories. Um, I know Jamie's diet guide is coming on to talk about binge eating in a couple of weeks. Uh, so you can go a lot more into it and identifying triggers and working on emotions and stuff. Uh, but I do think that people need to realize that every single one of us is unique in how we deal with situations. Everyone's, every single one of us is unique in how we eat and the behaviors and habits behind certain things. Every, like meal plans are a big pile of shit um, and the people pushing on them should get shit put into their, onto their doorstop and set on fire um, <laughs> that little insight to what you do to people that you know like yeah haven't been found out yet because uh, <laughs> they haven't been found out um, but I think like, I think it is identifying the emotion I think once the emotion is identified and you can be present enough to identify it and want to get uncomfortable and want to do the digging, I think that's when the liberation can occur for someone, whatever it is. Um, you don't want to let go of it. Sometimes like that emotion, nope. that feeling, that action is a security blanket because yep. your identity is so caught up in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and I do think if someone is struggling, I think it's hugely important to go out and talk to the the, the, the people that can help the the the, the people who can specialize in uh, eating disorders and stuff like that, if, if that's what you feel you have. And I, and I think it's important, like a GP can only refer you out. They can't really deal with them themselves. They have to refer you out. So it's important to kind of go through uh, the right paths if you feel you may have uh, that side of things for yourself. Um, 
one of the things that with guilt um, is there's a movement at the minute with kind of intuitive eating. And one of the questions was your thoughts on intuitive eaters making people feel guilty for buying into diet culture and not being satisfied with their own shape and stage in life. So it's, yeah, I think devil's advocate might need to come in here to kind of, I don't know, Dallas is like, I want to be the devil. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. You can look at his intuitive eating as an absolute bunch of bollocks. Um, if you really want to go down it, like what is intuitive, you know, what is intuitive to me is not intuitive to you. You know, my perspective of life is completely different to somebody else's. And by, by extension, that means anything I do food wise is never going to be intuitive for me or for you. Yeah. So intuitive eating, bunch of nonsense, but using the premise of going that some things are innately triggered from a different way of taking it. So uh, intuitive to innate as in that we all have hunger cues. We all have the ability to at least experience hunger in a certain realm or fashion outside of anyone who has uh, metabolic problems or diseases that stop that. Um, but we all have that ability in a sense. So you can use that as a way to guide food eating behavior. You can bring in kind of more intuitive stuff like breathe work. So breathing before, being increasing the amount of chews, going through that side, and you know these things will improve your ability to eat food and have you a better relationship with food. But saying that everybody at every stage is healthy and that you shouldn't buy into diet culture is just as stupid because now you're creating a black and white thinking. It's like it's going to be very context dependent for the person. Pick a method that works and carry on. It's just like. Just forget what it is. People complain, tell them fuck off. I think Thank you. it's like the diet industry is always so all or nothing. It's like you're either one or you're the other. There's this kind of like, you know, I think the thing is like right now in that question, it's mixing a lot of things as well, like intuitive eating, body positivity, all these things. Yeah. And there's a lot of different movements and there's a, they're all, they are like, yeah, somewhat aligned, but like separate. And even in those each factors, there's different layers and different variants. And like you have to realize that the diet, fitness, health industry, everyone's always going to pit each other against each other. There's always going to be all or nothing people in each walk. There's always going to be the diehards in every section. And they usually shout the loudest because the things you see most on social media are the best and the worst of everything. Like all of the 99.9% .9 of us who are somewhere in the middle, like just kind of get lost in the loud on each side, the best and the worst. So it's something to think about there. And like intuitive eating, if you are just literally wanting to have permission to eat whatever the feck you want, whenever you want, like a toddler, you know, that's not a positive thing. Like you're not considering health. And at the end of the day, health really, really freaking matters. And there's got to be certain things that you need to look at for health. And so certain sections of that arena, I would be very much in the same line as Stephen of like that, it, it that, that's not right. Like that's just not healthy. It's not, it's not like something, it's not good for people to kind of move that way and just have no filter on what they eat whatsoever and not consider their health. Do you, if that's what you want to do, absolutely. But I do see the benefits obviously of that approach, which alleviates a lot of control and there isn't got, doesn't have the black and white thinking concept around it and it is nourishment mm. nourishment focused intuitive eating as in listening to your hunger fullness cues eating more mindfully stopping eating when you're satisfied 
not tracking, you know, not being tied to my fitness pal, not being tied to using your palm all the time to measure your portions, having that ability to not actually necessarily think you need to have a serving of protein with every single meal. Sometimes that you can have that flexibility and that openness to trust yourself that your habitual diet is nourishing, that it can be flexible, that you will stop eating when you need to, you know, that you have your appetite and control. Like children, to some degree, as you mentioned earlier, eat quite intuitively. They know when they're full. We kind of break those habits and those that understanding as they get older by like, you know, telling them to finish their meal and stuff like that. All those things. And that's, I think, getting back to that kind of concept of intuitive eating, of understanding when you've eaten enough and stopping. That's really, really positive. And then aligning that with the whole idea of body positivity and being comfortable in your own skin. Like, you know, I'm a believer that you can love yourself and still want to change yourself. It's like it's understanding your reasons why. Understanding the why. You should love yourself, who you are, your identity, the person that you are wherever you're at on your journey you should love yourself all throughout it and working on that is really really valuable and important and being able to work on that side of things to value yourself no matter what and doing so makes it a lot easier and a much more pleasant journey getting yourself so focused on an arbitrary number someone else's body someone else's weight a goal you think you should have a goal body type body goals and all those things is not positive because those things aren't you they are not who you are you know it's like it's inspiration but it's probably not realistic for you and that leaves you feeling shit and feeling like a failure and that is that is not a positive thing to look for and it's not positive for you because you're striving for something probably not for the best reasons because you don't feel enough as you are and you think that achieving that will make you feel better about yourself or fundamentally you're not feeling very good about yourself and that's what you need to work on so in that aspect of body positivity, I'm all for there. It's like you should freaking love yourself no matter what size you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are in your journey. It's really important to embrace that. And just because someone else loves having a fuller body than you doesn't mean it's bad or wrong for you to want to work on your body and achieve something else if you're doing it for the right reasons. Just in the same line, you shouldn't look at their body and judge them for doing them and being happy as who they are. And embracing their body because you know we're all we're all attracted to different bodies we're, we all want to achieve different things we all have different lifestyles health looks incredibly different on everybody and it's a massive variety of shapes sizes you know it's cycle psychological like physical like this all matters so body positivity can you can have body positivity at a wide variety of body types it's just being positive and appreciating and respecting and loving your body, which sometimes will mean you want to get healthier, you want to get fitter, you want to nourish better, you want to train more, you know? And sometimes it'll just be, I need to stop doing all this stuff and just embrace myself for who I am, you know, because I am actually happier not doing these things, just doing like going for walks, doing whatever in a softer body is so much healthier for me. And it's aligning it with your values, but the fundamental core of it is that you love yourself no matter which direction you're going in or no matter what body type you have or no matter what goals you have. I think with the whole, like, your thoughts on intuitive eaters making people feel guilty or buying into diet culture, I think those people are putting out a message to their audience and 
the person who's potentially feeling guilty behind it is latching on to the the guilt or the shame behind it rather than the actual message if i called you a purple monkey dishwasher you wouldn't react but if i said something about say your appearance or something like that then someone would react they'd get triggered that way so as a potentially looking at your feed and looking at why you're actually getting triggered by and actually saying why am i getting triggered by this why am i unhappy how am i actually feeling am i tired am i stressed has my child run into the wall again is my husband or my partner being an absolute dick and have i just had an argument and it's about identifying when are you looking at these messages when are you looking at these articles when are you doing the scrolling are you is it when you're completely bored unhappy in general and are they actually putting out that message to make you feel guilty or are they putting out that message because that's what they believe in you don't necessarily have to believe in that message that they're putting out but you also don't have to get triggered by it it's looking internally and saying right why am i actually getting triggered by that message they're not trying to shame you ultimately some people up on social media will have put out messages in order to trigger certain things that's how marketing works if you look at the likes of say coca-cola which is the fine example they will put out that that noise the click of the can to make you want to go get the click of the can yeah exactly that noise until they <laughs> until they ruined the new coke zero let me just point it out they ruined it so anyone who works in coke who's listening to this tell them to fix it Start it out. <laughs> but I think that like that's that's the trigger there that's that trigger and I think it's, it's hugely important to identify that they're not trying to make you feel guilty it's whoever's looking at it is potentially feeling the guilt because they're not happy or content in themselves or where they're at and so looking at why that is are you comparing yourself to others are you looking at kind of other people are you um are you getting completely triggered or are you just knackered all the time and not happy where you are and sometimes it's okay to move because one of the things with stage in life are you unhappy in, in the role or the job that you're kind of going in at the minute or the day and the, I think a lot of people are realizing that at the minute is they're unhappy and have been up wrong ladder against the wrong wall for a very very long time and they don't want to move well they know they want to move and potentially that the opportunity isn't there but I've also got mm-hmm. mates that have lost their jobs from being one was a DJ to one was a golf coach and one was a PT all three of them lost their jobs during this, but now have set up a coffee shop and now we're opening up their third uh, venue up in space the last six months. So we do have a choice. There are other alternatives if you want to go down it. Uh, so it's about kind of like right ladder against the right wall in everything that we do. And if you don't try something, you're going to fail. And I'm all for that. Like there's so many things you guys don't see in the background of episodes that I think that are going to do better. There's certain things that I try out with marketing that doesn't work. You put out a post or an email that you think is going to be the best thing ever and you get literally nothing back. And it's frustrates the life out of me. But that's life. There's no point in me getting getting really, really angry about it and just giving up. It, the important thing is like, what can I learn from? What can I tweak and what can I make myself better? And what that's all I can really do is trying to focus on that and know what I want to do and know what I want to achieve. Yeah. Um, I would interject on that point as well and say that stop ascribing values to people's things. Stop projecting yourself onto these things. Yeah. Um, and like I haven't formulated this idea, so it's going to be off the cuff. We all know how that goes. And, but <laughs> from the point of view, the way I'm seeing it, how it's like popping through my head. If you're projecting certain things onto posts and you're projecting onto it like Fundamentally, are you trying to sabotage yourself? Are you trying to bring something to the forefront of your mind? Are you trying to realize that possibly this is not something you want or that, once again, your values don't line up? So it's like me just spitballing through this is just kind of giving you an idea that 
if every post you look through on, say, Instagram, Facebook, whatever social media platform, and they either trigger you, then there is something not with the post, but with you. So that means like you either trying to sabotage yourself, you are projecting your own insecurities onto these things, which need to be worked on, or there is something fundamentally different in how you see these things. So it's like your own view of the world. So it's like, what is that? Address that and watch things change. Welcome to the uncomfortable. Yeah, which a lot of people don't like doing. I think people are really tribal as well. There's a real tribal element to these different groups. And as humans, we want to be part of the right tribe. And that happens so much with like diets, like, you know, keto, if you're this, your identity gets really caught up in things. And if you haven't like really realized your own identity and what you identify with and what it represents to you, you're kind of flailing looking for identity and finding it in things. And I think that's why when you're hearing all these conflicting information from different groups and different different corners of like the diet industry and fitness industry and anyone who's in a who's really passionate about like their diet or their their movement or whatever it's going to shout really loudly about it because you 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 want you like I have my team I have my tribe and we're better than your tribe because that's that's what we do as humans we're super tribal you know like like, football. look at it like 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 with, yeah with football with like with certain like with like say crossfit like it's so tribal as someone who does it like who's like it's like you're you drink the juice you know you're like you get involved in it we do certain courses different things and everyone gets so behind them it's just it's like all those different things you when you are doing a certain sport a certain diet all these things you want it to be the best way you want to be you want to be prescribing to the best method and so you will shout about it from the rooftops and fight your corner to be right and to be in the right tribe and that's something to always remember when you're seeing all these conflicting messages online is like to really step back and reflect of what each would represent to you how it would align does it align with your values with what you want with what you want to achieve and if it doesn't feel right and there's something really unsettled there then gotta you gotta look at that you know like each camp can shout really loudly think about how politicians or anyone can can say things and be so believable you know doesn't mean it's exactly right and it doesn't mean it's like that's the that's the person you're going to vote for you know it's the same with diets it's the same with fitness method methodologies it's like people people be tribal exactly let's link the holocaust and diets together like i think that's how that should become there you know all these crazy methods. <laughs> Fuck sake, Dad. It's like, did I go there? <laughs> I was like, did Dad bring the Holocaust into like, this? Did I do that? Did, did hey. just saying random things? <laughs> Dad is just hungry, I think. He's just lost the plot. <laughs> <laughs> He's hungry. I'm definitely hungry. Uh, well, I think we're going to have to answer the last question and we're, we're, we're done. We'll keep this one very, very short. In relation to when you have a successful client and from their point of view, how long does it actually take, what, how long does it usually take them to develop their eat, healthy eating habits and what a day's diet looks like for them now? Drinking game, it depends it on depends. the client. I was about to say, it was like, <laughs> it depends. depends. I, it depends on the client. It depends where they've come from. It depends where, what the headspace they're in. It depends what their relationship with themselves and what, what food is. It depends 
on what they actually achieved when they were with us. It depends on what they achieve with themselves and how ready for challenge and change and all that kind of stuff kind of comes in because I think when a lot of people do, and I've been there, so I'm talking for myself, is when they sign up with a coach, they think a coach is going to solve everything and a coach isn't going to solve anything. A coach, they, they think a coach is going to get motivation and kick, give you a kick up the arse. That's not what a coach's job is. A coach's job is to direct you in the direction you want to go. It's like a driver of a car. It's to direct you and drive you in the direction you want to go. It's not to uh, give you a kick up the hole every time you're down. It's to I, it's to work with you on your headspace around certain times, identify certain triggers and do a little bit of soul searching with you, but within staying in their lane. But if you're very, very, uh, if someone has kind of come from a yo-yo dieting background and they're not, they're not really ready for a change, they're not really ready to action the stuff and together, nothing's really going to change. And I know Das and I have spoken about this before, that action and change go hand in hand, uh, readiness go for hand in hand. But if some of those elements aren't there, aren't combined together, nothing's really going to happen for that person. And I think it, that's a difficult thing for a lot of people to to accept is when the, when they kind of finish up, like I would always give direction and when someone finishes up, like, right, you're going to potentially go reverse side or bring your calories up a little bit more. What events have you got coming up? And make a plan for them that way. And that's the best you can do. And then try to check in with them every few months and see how they go. I've got clients coming back to me now. It's because because of, of that aftercare afterwards. It's not like right ditch. That's not what that's not what we try to do. It's trying to promote a balance that works for them. I think when that balance is clicked in for the majority of the clients that work with us, it works a hell of a lot better. What are your takes on it? Toss his hair. <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on the. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on the uh, a man bun. Just shave that. <laughs> okay, so in terms of it, depending on the client, yes, it depends. It 100 depends. It also depends on how uncomfortable are you willing to get. Because mentally and physically, yeah. Look, if you're willing to go like toe for toe against the giants, and those giants being your own inner demons. I'm like, you'd be surprised how quick you can truly make change. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's truly amazing. Um, I'm really loving the glasses. Um, but it, it comes down to like, the, like experiences change our brain, the neuroplasticity of it, right? So we have that ability to change, but we need some seriously good experiences when we're in adults to create that change. So it's like, right, if you're going to put yourself in a position that is going to challenge you and you're going to be uncomfortable and you're willing to step up and do it, well, you can make a massive change in four weeks. By the time even six months into a year, like you'd be surprised who the person can be. But it really comes down to how much you want to get uncomfortable. I think it's also important to focus on what you're doing rather than what others are doing. Oh, yeah. Because I think too many people, like as we've spoken about so many things, you're watching other people trying what to do. You're looking at people's transformation pictures and not seeing what that what actually happens behind them. That's why I don't put timelines on my transformation oh, pictures. It's so annoying. It's just like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, why does I get that? Oh, God, I do that. You're like... Okay, take 1% and do 1% of what they did. Maybe look at yourself, maybe. No, like you must give me the secret bullet. And you're like, oh, really? Really? Because I have that ability. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Dallas is hungry. Feed him. <laughs> <laughs> they feed him. <laughs> oh. Everyone's going to get it. But... It is. It's like everyone wants a, a short answer. This. It's like they want us to turn around and say, it's going to take exactly four weeks. 
and that's it. That's all you're going to have to do. And we fixed it. It's that qu- it's quick fix ideas again and again. And it's just not like that. Nobody wants to hear. You're going to have to get uncomfortable. This could, this could take a while. I can't give you a time. Nobody wants, it depends. Nobody wants vague. Nobody wants like the responsibility to be put on back onto them and what they can do. Like give a guarantee. You want a guarantee, especially if you're spending money or you're heading out, you're, you're committing to doing something and it's a professional you're paying to help you. In particular, like people, they want results, but with a process like nutrition and fitness, you have to do a lot of the work. You have to do all of the work, all of it. Yeah, exactly. All of, all of the work has to be done by you as an individual, you just have someone advising, supporting and trying to make it as pleasant a process as possible for you. And so it really has to depend on so many factors as to how long it will take you to get to where you want to go. And the thing is, that's going to change and adapt as you go along and enjoy the process like we talked about earlier. It's like that benchmark goal is going to change and adapt too. So how long is a piece of string? Yeah, I think massive. <laughs> <laughs> how big? How big? Uh, no, I think that, like the only thing I can guarantee is if someone isn't willing to like dig into uh, into certain triggers and challenge behaviors and identities and stuff, and you can't just turn off a habit. That's one thing that has to be said. And Gary Mendoza, who Dallas referred over to me, um, his episode is out maybe. I'm looking at the list here. Uh, maybe the episode before this, I think the 17th to the 5th, I think the episode was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'll talk about habits and behavior changes and stuff. But if you're not looking to actually try to, to challenge those thoughts and look at why they happen or identify where they're coming from, I don't think I can guarantee is nothing's really going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fall back into those habits and things straight away. Like it's too easy to fall back into old habits when... Uh, we get tired when we go when we get stressed when we get emotional it's way too easy to do that that's what human nature does we go we go we default into our negative or our young our old form really really quickly but it's about challenging those thoughts that if you can make that kind of like one day or one hour or whatever it is into that little window and do the other stuff outside it then that's still getting away from the perfection mentality of that every day is going to be perfect life isn't a way of like being all rainbows and butterflies that's not what life is i think people expect that life is going to be like your life's going to go to plan or they fall into that trap of believing that life is that like i think victor franco talks about life is like a life is suffering that's what the meaning of life is it's grim and it's dark but it's the truth it's the only reason for that is that we don't accept the good times or we don't enjoy the good times jesus uh we don't <laughs> we don't enjoy the good times when we're when we're in them um, if we didn't have the low times. Yeah. Um, and I think it's hugely important that suffering is a part of life. We need to embrace that style of things and get a little bit uncomfortable and actually challenge those narratives that we've told ourselves from from very, very young ages and create a new story, a new chapter for ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, mic drop? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Dallas needs to be fed. I think Dallas needs to be fed. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't eaten in like an hour. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on again. 
Um, and guys, if you've enjoyed the episode, please do tag us up on your story. Please do leave a review up on iTunes. If you want guests on, if you want topics on, send in DMs to any of us and we will create a list, an ever long lasting list that we have and we'll continue doing them. Guys, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you. No worries.